This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. I'm Kriti Joshi, the Deputy Editor of Media Week, and I'm at Fox Sports here today in Sydney, and someone I have with me, we name-dropped a couple of weeks ago in seven days when we were um, at Chris O'Keefe's office at the New South Wales Parliament House, is Yvonne Sampson. Two things, uh, she's also Chris O'Keefe's fiance for people who didn't know, but she's also a really well-known presenter on Fox Sports. Hi, Yvonne. Hello. Thank you so much. That was a beautiful introduction, and um, yeah, Chris has to name-drop me, otherwise I, I won't make dinner for him or wash his clothes so he has to be kind <laughs> he did talk to he did praise you very much and I was like well that's safe you know just get him on to listen to this podcast and you'll be good <laughs> I'm not too sure if he did make you listen to it did he no he didn't actually he didn't tell me at all he keeps those things very close to his chest <laughs> okay well and if Chris you're listening how dare you <laughs> So one of the things he did mention was that you both got your um, start in regional television. So what was that like? You started at Seven News in Sydney in, uh, on the Sunshine, Sunshine Coast. I did. I did um, three years of journalism at Queensland University of Technology. Um, prior to that, I I just, you know, grew up in regional Queensland and on the Sunshine Coast in the hinterland. And I did my year 12 studies by distance education. Um, so the Queensland Board of Education just sent me my books for year 12 and I had to pretty much teach myself and sit my final end of year exams at the local post office because that's where our only JP was in the in the district um, because I was riding horses at the time and I found it really difficult to um, attend school and still be on um, the Australian Young Riders dressage team so we were travelling quite a, a bit around Australia at the time. So year 12 by distance ed, it kind of gave me um, autonomy over my education and and it was really it was a really good tool to um, learn how to pretty much teach yourself and to digest volumes of information and then hopefully give it back to people in in some sort of sensical form and I guess that's probably what we do as journalists is we digest a lot of information and then deliver it in a, a neater parcel so Luckily enough, my grades were good enough to get into um, University of Technology in Brisbane, and I did three years there and then um, started doing work experience in my final third year. So for uh, a whole year, I just pestered my local uh, newsroom and uh, went in one day a week um, and tried to learn as much as I could. I was focused on sport, um, but I was aware that obviously coming out of uni, you don't get that uh, chance to dictate what you want to do. You do what they want you to do. So I had to do local politics and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But I always really loved sport. Um, And then uh, I hung around long enough uh, until they got sick of me and they gave me um, my first paid gig, which was in the Wide Bay. So over summer, um, so it was actually Meribra. And uh, which is just south of Bundaberg. And um, yeah, all of a sudden I found myself at about 20 years old um, out trying to cover local cricket yarns and, um, yeah, build up some contacts in a town that I didn't know anyone. I think I'd spent all my spare money in my petrol getting up there and um, I think I bought Chinese takeout on my first night and tried to stretch it over three days. So <laughs> it was uh, it was a good learning curve. But, yeah, regional television is fantastic because you um, you learn all your mistakes out there, you, you learn your craft, um, you work out what your strengths are and then you also work out what your weaknesses are and, and you get a chance to better those before you come back into a sort of a more metro market where there's more pressure and more expectation and the newsroom environment's probably a little bit more intense. Fair. The two things that kind of stood out to me, totally unrelated to your career, A, you're doing HSC at the local post office. What was that atmosphere like? (laughs) Well, 
the local postmaster was, uh, I mean, in a small country town, you know everyone, you know, the butcher, the baker, the <laughs> policeman and the post office guy. Um, and he was really great. So I thought maybe he would let me have a little bit more extra time on my exams. But he was so strict. So he put me in the little room at the back of the post office. Um, and it was, I may as well have been in a hall in one of the most exclusive um, schools in Sydney he was so strict he'd come in and give me a warning and say 20 minutes and, and I was like oh my god this guy's not going to let me have any more time I thought this would be a little bit but yeah no it was it was good it was um now that I say it out loud it sounds pretty strange but it, it seemed very normal at the time <laughs> and um the second thing uh your mission to make your first Chinese takeaway last three days how did you go with that yeah. I'd only kind of stretch it over two days and then I'd have to buy a big tub of Nutella and then that would be my dinner for the next two nights <laughs> You know, you should have just done a cheapskate like I did and just buy milk and cereal and make that your lunch, uh, breakfast and dinner. Yes. Yeah, I should have done that, but I was I was more indulgent. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you moved down to Sydney for um, when you uh, signed a contract with Sky News Australia for uh, a little bit and then you went back up to Nine News Brisbane, which is where I believe you met Chris. Um, so what was that journey like, coming down for Sky News and then going back up to Brizzy um, for, you know, a Metro newsroom? It was really great. Coming down to Sky um, was a really steep learning curve because um, I'd sort of come out of regional television mm. um, and I'd done eight or nine years there. And then I thought, well, I'll test myself in the Sydney market. And it was a completely different pace. Um, it was it was really good to sharpen up what I thought um, my news values were. Um, and uh, it, was, it was good to work in such a, a high-paced newsroom where, especially somewhere like Sky, where it's rolling coverage, it's pretty much 24-hour um, news channel and you're expected to be across everything and, and turn that information around almost immediately and react off things. So it was really good for me. It kind of, um, you know, live television, things go wrong and um, and they always did. And, uh, and it was as horrifying as uh, you think some of those moments are where things aren't going well. Um, it kind of made me a little bit more bomb-proof. Um, so if, if we did have explosions going off in the newsroom, you kind of keep your cool and, and um, march on. Um, so I really, I thoroughly appreciated my t- my two years at Sky. I left after the London Olympics, and um, Channel Nine had called me once my contract was up and said, "Would you? We don't have anything in Sydney, um, but would you like to go back home to Queensland?" And I was a little bit homesick at that time, and I thought, "Yeah, I'd love to go back." So and to work in Brisbane newsroom um, was was a great honour because, you know, I mean, the Brisbane Broncos are a one-team town. Um, they have always been my my team. So to be able to get to go to Broncos training every day and be part of the news cycle that turns around um, their story for the season and, uh, yeah, it was it was really good. And I walked in and they said, oh, you know, my first day and uh, they said, oh, Bonnie, this is your desk. And the man that was sitting next to me turned around and it was Wally Lewis. And he said, oh, oh hello, I'm, I'm Wally Lewis. I was like, oh, my God, I know exactly who you are. And I had a big fangirl moment. And he said, oh, please, you know, welcome, sit down. Can I get you anything? And he rushed off and made me a cup of tea. And I was blown away that Wally Lewis, the king, the immortal of rugby league, was running downstairs to make me a cup of tea to say welcome to the Nine Newsroom. So, um, yeah, I, I loved, loved my time there. And, yes, I did meet Chris there. I had... Um, uh, I'd previously 
seen Chris through some photos. I used to, one of my friends used to work with Channel 10 and they had a Christmas party and they were all dressed up. So my friend went as Ron Burgundy from Anchorman and he had all these photos of um, everyone in fancy dress and Chris was dressed up there as Superman and I went, oh, who's that? And he said, oh, no, it's this young guy at our newsroom. You won't be interested in him. And I was like, yeah, he looks full of himself. He looks <laughs> awful. Um, so I'd kind of come across Chris a little bit uh, before but... Um, yeah, I hadn't actually met him until he started at um, Channel 9 in the newsroom. <laughs> wow. Um, so somewhat of a love at first sight, kind of an affair with Chris, isn't it? No, it was awful. I thought, who's this guy? Gosh, he backs himself. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were in um, uh, Sydney for Sky News and when you were in, uh, ni- uh, in Brisbane for Nine News, you were covering sports for both, is that correct? Um, yes, sports for both, yes. Yeah. So always, um, I think once... I got through the first few years with seven local news and and was able to sort of carve out um, more of a career in sport. Um, Yeah, I was very lucky. I just get to do sport wall-to-wall, which I think is pretty important because more and more we're seeing sport um, on the front pages and the back pages, um, Mm. and we're seeing sport, um, you know, lead bulletins, you know, whether that be through Olympics or unfortunately sometimes through scandals. But but for Australian society... Sport is really part of that fabric, so I feel like, um, yeah, the good, the bad and the ugly, um, sport gives us it all. So in 2014, when you were asked to join the wide world of sport, that would have been sort of a dream come true because for people like me who've just grown up with free-to-air television up until I could afford Foxtel, um, you know, that's what you see as the home of sports, really. So what was that like? What was that phone call like? Yeah, it was amazing. And as you said, wide world of sports um, were the pillar of sport broadcast in Australia. Um, they had rugby league, they had cricket, they had racing. They they were the wide world. It, they took us everywhere, to, even to those exotic places overseas. And um, so it, it was amazing to have a phone call and even have a meeting with the bosses. Um, Steve Crawley, who was the head of wide world of sports, called me and said, um, come in for a meeting, we want to have a chat with you. And because um, I thought I was in trouble. I think that's that's my natural reaction. I thought, uh-oh, what have I done? Um, but they said, look, we're looking to broaden our um, our broadcast team. We've been we've tried over the years um, to look for a female. It, you know, we feel like you could be a good fit. Um, but they were a little hesitant as well because they weren't really sure um, if I knew what I was talking about, if I would be a good fit, you know, regardless of your gender. I think if you bring someone new into the team, how that dynamic's going to go. Um, but I think Crawls was, uh, Steve Crawley was a little bit hesitant. He said, well, if we if we bring you on and, you know, you're working on our live television, you know, you can't cry. And I was like, goodness, what am I go- why am I going to cry? What are you going to do to me? But I think um, because they just hadn't really had anyone in that space and so they were a little uncertain as well. But it was um, it was it was the gift of my career for sure to be able to have that opportunity and um, the respect that they showed me from day one was the most mind-blowing component of the whole thing. The um, footballers, uh, the producers, the directors, the bosses, everyone were just very welcoming and um, 
yeah, it gave me the confidence to feel like that I was part of the team. Mm. You're quite hands-on with the NRL coverage they had there. Friday night, you hosted the NRL. Um, you were a sideline commentator on Thursday and Friday night football. And then eventually, you kind of replaced Peter Sterling on Sunday footy show. So, you know, you had it all going for you there. So when you got that phone call from Fox Sports, what, what tempted you to jump the ship? Um, it wasn't... It wasn't a phone call I was expecting um, and certainly in my entire career I hadn't really ever had someone come forward and say, you know, come work for us. Usually it's me approaching them saying, I promise I'll work hard, please give me a shot. Um, So that was something new for an invitation to come from from another network and I'd already established the relationship with Steve Crawley who had left Wide World of Sports at that time and come across to Fox Sports um, to start up what would be Australia's first 24-hour rugby league channel in Fox League. Um, And that invitation was just too great to to miss. Um, At that point in my career to be part of a founding crew here um, at Fox Sports that were going to generate something that we'd never seen before in the Australian sporting landscape for rugby league. Um, Yeah, it was just, it it was the offer of a lifetime. So um, as hard as it was to say goodbye to everyone at Channel 9, there were a lot of tears. Um, And that that wasn't just from me, (laughs) that was some of the boys. Um, It was really great to to come across and, and to make that transition and to find a new home here um, with a whole new group of um, not just men but lots lots more women. There are a lot more girls involved in footy um, at Fox League, which has been uh, definitely one of the highlights that um, I'm not just with men all week. I, I, get, uh, I get to hang out with some girls that I've had a lot of respect for over the years and some friendships as well. While you were at nine, you also achieved another feat, which was you became the first woman to anchor the network state of origin. Did you realise at the time that you were making somewhat of a history? Oh, I didn't want to let the uh, the womanhood down, that's for sure. It was. Um, I think when you have... Um, obviously, the, the, the headlines... at the Well, not headlines, but the, the stories around that time were you know, the first woman to... And it's funny because I'd never really considered my gender to be part of my story but I think um, for rugby league and probably for Channel 9 at that time it was it was a it was a show of how progressive and inclusive um, both the game and and that network had become Um, and even though the stories were centered around my gender um, my day-to-day have never been about being a female or you know I I don't no one wants a leg up based on whether you're male or female Um, but I feel like it was presented in a way that it was just timing and and I was lucky enough to be hopefully the best person for the job at that time and yeah it was it was a huge honor I mean rug, uh, state of origin football um, has I've grown up you know worshiping that series um, especially from Queensland it it's deeply entrenched in us um, as as proud Maroon supporters so to be part of that broadcast uh, will always be a very fond memory for me. When the state of origins are on, and you just mentioned that you're a you know hardcore <laughs> maroon supporter, are you walking around the office wearing maroon? Especially because Fox Sports is based in Sydney, yeah. so you'd have a lot of blues in here. Do, are you kind of one of the rare people walking around in maroons, or do you have a few supporters here as well? Um, it is very tribal here at Fox Sports, I have to say. Um, but no, I try to keep my uh, my Queensland um, passion to a minimum. 
just because I want to be respectful to the poor old New South Wales fans who have done it so tough for so long. And, yeah, I'm definitely outnumbered down here. But, um, yeah, it's the, you do get a bit of a thrill and then sometimes a bit of a yes, you know, when they, they get a, get over the line or something like that. So I, I try to keep a lid on all of my crazy Queensland passion, um, but sometimes it'll leak out. I love how you're being modest about the Queensland win and trying to, you know, make it sound like you're saving grace for all the other New South Wales supporters here. Um, I should learn a thing or two from you. Every time India, like, wins in cricket, I keep on going off in the office and then Australia wins, I was like, yeah, I'm under the table. Um, but when you joined, uh, you pretty much made the face of Fox League when it joined with, I mean, sorry, started with Matty J, the big person to stand next to. You know, he's been on telly, has a distinguished NRL career as well. So what was that like? Yeah, it was really great. I um, Obviously, because I'd worked with his brother, uh, Andrew, over at Channel 9, so it almost felt like I was just sort of... <laughs> transferring from one to the other because they're both very very similar they're extraordinary at what they do they no one reads the game better than they do Maddie um is a complete professional he turns up he's well researched um just to watch him operate was was a real honor um because I feel he above anyone else in rugby league his voice his opinions um, the, the direction he sees the game going is, is so well respected and so I hadn't had a chance to work with Maddie before now and um, yeah, thoroughly enjoy every moment but yeah, it was um, it is funny, sometimes I'm, you're standing up there with these gigantic uh, experts in the game and, and I think, oh, who let me in? Like why am I standing here? This is strange but um, yeah, very, very, very thankful Talking about the gigantic experts, um, I was reading about you uh, just before I came in, and one of your massive sa- uh, fans is Phil Gould, who on the o- Earl podcast, he spoke very highly of you. So two quotes that he said, he uh, described you as a rare talent, and um, another quote is, she walks with the kings and still keeps in, uh, keeps the common touch, and that's what she does. Big words to come out of someone who's such a legend. So having a fan and feel good, what does that feel like? Uh, it was amazing. From day one, Gus um, makes you feel 10 foot tall if he's in your corner. And um, you, he's such an imposing figure in the game. He can be um, so... Uh, I mean, he's just so powerful in everything he turns his hand to. So I was... Uh, very afraid when I first met him, um, but he very quickly put me at ease. And um, because it was because of his warmth and his welcoming that I felt um, that I was able to sit on the panel with with himself and and the crew at nine. And and since I've left nine, Gus and I still call each other. We go and have lunch. Um, we text. I, I text him after last week. Um, yeah, it's it's wonderful to be able to have a mentor like that that you can bounce a few things off. And certainly. Um, through my transition to Fox, Gus was one of the ones that I really relied on for his advice. Um, and yeah, he's very kind. I think a lot of people would be surprised to know that Gus is a raging feminist. He believes in equal opportunity for everyone. Um, so it is nice to have someone of that magnitude behind you. Speaking of your transition, though, it wasn't all kind of smooth sail at the beginning with Nine and Fox going, uh, you know, for a legal battle, which just shows how much of a great presenter you must be. Um, And you're just shaking your head. (laughs) Rubbish. Um, So what was that like? Because I would imagine you would have hoped for a smoother sail than that was. Yeah, it was a good um, it was a good lesson for me because I don't I'm, I'm quite a simple person, really. And I thought if your contract expires and you know you respectfully say thank you so much for everything but I'm going to go work over here now and obviously I didn't read the fine print that had a um 
uh, a clause in it that said I, that it was a non-compete clause. Um, so that was a little bit disappointing and a little bit stressful at the time, to be honest. But um, it, I had some great support um, at Fox League, and, and they said, "Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll you know, we'll, we're right behind you the whole way." Um, and luckily, nothing came of it. So yeah, it was. Uh, but still, uh, I got a steep learning curve in, in reading contracts very thoroughly. <laughs> And then it's almost like when you came out of it, it was almost, it's kind of like the calm after the storm, isn't it? Because if you just look at what you do now, correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm missing anything, you host the Thursday and Saturday night rugby for Fox Sports. And you also do the weekly show uh, League Life, which airs on Wednesdays, has an all-female panel, obviously again made headlines for that thing. So um, am, I, am I missing anything in what you do here? No, I don't think so. We've got um, the weekend wrap on Sundays, which has been really good. Um, but League Life, as you mentioned, has been uh, one of the highlights for me this year. It was an unexpected gem. Um, uh, I, I mentioned the extraordinary women that I get to work with now at Fox. Um, Lara Pitt I've known for a long, long time. Um, we've been friends and this is our first chance to work together. Um, Jess Yates I met her a few years ago um, while we were on a, a surfing job um, and I knew that we would get along and then Hannah Hollis I'd worked with previously last year. Um, she's an outstanding talent that we picked up from NITV. Um, so to be able to be surrounded by accomplished, um, clever um, progressive women who are changing what it is to have a female voice in the game uh, has been really, really good. And uh, we've worked very hard on League Life to make sure it has its own identity as a show, not just because it's what people call the chicks show. Um, <laughs> it, need, it needed to be bigger than gender and hopefully we've achieved that. I think we've had some amazing guests who have felt... Um, comfortable enough to share some really um, powerful things from from their pasts and their stories, um, and they're just to show that rugby league is a is a broader um, it's a broader tool to to bring families, communities, clubs, individuals, everyone together, and, and we all have a different story, and um, and we've been very thankful that they've. Um, allowed us to tell some of those stories on League Life. Mm, and exactly like you touched on, I find that League Life kind of kind of unravels the story behind the players and behind the sport and not so much, you know, just the sport in itself, which I really appreciate. Um, I spoke to your um, co-host, Jess Yates, I think earlier this year. Um, so if you want to read up on that interview, just go to mediaweek.com.au and just search up Jess Yates. Uh, she spoke about um, one of the key highlights for her being, you know, being able to tell that story behind the story. Um, in terms of that, do you think it's a fresh approach or is it something that you kind of took inspiration off from other past shows? Um, definitely shows of that format exist, but not really before in rugby league um, and never before has the game had a space where live on television we can talk about some really personal things um, and we weren't sure how the fans would react um, because we're not talking about the 80 minutes and, you know, the forwards and, you know, the halves and the wingers, you know, we're, we're talking about real issues, um, real issues that everyone faces throughout their life. So we weren't, uh, we were a little bit untested in that arena, but it's been um, such a success and people stop me in the street and say, gosh, we really love league life. And, and you know, even people like my mum, they, they would sit down and watch it and you don't have to be a dedicated purist to rugby league to to be able to enjoy it so um for us we feel like it's it's been a really special um and groundbreaking 
moment for not just rugby league but for Fox League as well. So the game NRL is kind of coming to a pointy end. We've already entered September and I think where's this year gone by? Um, the grand finals on October 1st. What does your schedule look like after that? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> very quiet. Uh, I might turn off my phone and just uh, not not uh, communicate for a little bit. Um, but, yeah, we've, uh, we've planned a couple of holidays um, just around Christmas. But, yeah, just trying to keep it... Very quiet. And I'll, I'm sure they'll find me a couple of things to do around here through the summer. It's, I don't think they'll let me just lie on a beach for uh, months on end, that's for sure. Gee, I think we've got you at a good time before you turned off your phone, hey? Um, and, and then in terms of, you know, your aspiration to become a sports journalist, is that something that you aspired to do since you were young? When did that bug bite? Um, it's bizarre, but I think... Around year three, I won a little prize in book week for writing a story about um, a racehorse that my grandfather trained and it won at the local racetrack at Corbell Park at Caloundra. And um, the, the mayor was called Champagne Magic. I still remember it. And, um, and I wrote this little story about Champagne Magic and I drew the little pictures, you know, Champagne Magic winning at the winning post and me feeding her carrots at the end of the day. And, um, and because I'd won this book prize, I thought... Well, gosh, telling stories is is fun, and telling stories about sport is fun. So I think maybe, yeah, gosh, even when I was probably like eight or nine, I, I sort of set course to to tell stories around sport, and um, luckily enough, I've been able to do that. Is NRL what you wanted to get into, or you didn't mind any sport? Uh, look, rugby league is is a religion anywhere north of the Tweed, so always rugby league was the dream. But I didn't know how or or why I would I would get there. Um, but uh, yeah, it was rugby league was always sort of I guess the 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 light at the end of the pipeline. But just had to take a few little detours to get there. <laughs> And when you're uh, obviously, you know, sports is a fun area to be in and obviously you're passionate about it as well, but with that comes passionate fans. Um, so I guess if you get anything wrong, I think they, they're experts in their own rights. So I guess you have to tread everything like very carefully. So how do you kind of um, set yourself up for anything that's to come? Because obviously you're going to have some really, you know, aggressive supporters, some really nice supporters. You can get a bit of everything. Yeah, I, I respect all the supporters um, and I completely understand that they want uh, a voice in the media to get it right. I think that's a that's a basic need and requirement of doing anyone's job is that you need to be right. So, yeah, at, unfortunately, sometimes because it is TV, I, I make a couple of mistakes and I don't worry, I come down harder on myself than anyone else. But um, the fans have been really good. Uh, I'd say overwhelmingly they've been very supportive. Um, and it's not, it's not the men that come up to me at games. It's a lot of the mums, the daughters, the aunties, the girls going through uni, the girls going through school, um, and they say, gosh, you know, we just really appreciate having someone like you there because our family, heaps of women are into rugby league and finally we've got someone that sort of represents us. So um, very, very grateful to be able to do that. But, uh, yeah, the fans the fans are great and the fans are what make the game. Um, and, yes, they are passionate and, uh, yes, they can be very vocal, um, but they're also a really great part of it. So the game wouldn't be the same without them. And in terms of what's been your highlight of your career so far? Oh, gosh. Um, Massive question. Uh, I think when it's all said and done, this year will go down as a a highlight um, to be part of something that's never been done before, to be given the responsibility of... um, 
being at the helm of some really important moments uh, for the network has been um, an absolute thrill. Uh, State of Origin obviously will always be up there. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, maybe the highlight, maybe the highlight's yet to come. Have you had a low light yet? Low lights. Oh, plenty of low lights when I get to games and I've forgotten my nice shoes or <laughs> I've forgotten my notes. And, yeah, there's lots of little moments where you think, oh, gosh, what, um, you know, I don't know, a low light. Hopefully, hopefully nothing, really. I, I can't really think of anything. When you put your sort of uh, apologise if I'm treading into like sensitive territories here but when you put your personal and professional life together like I just think about the past two years it's been sort of a roller coaster for you hasn't it I read um, an article in Fairfax about you um, about the realisation that you might have Indigenous and uh, Australian ancestry so what was that like because that would have been kind of an emotional revelation for you as well and then you know still having to and then you're still going through a lot of changes in your professional career as well in terms of nine and then to fox sports so what was that like yeah it was really um fantastic actually it was uh not emotional it was um because i'm adopted um and i've already known that i was adopted so my uh heritage has always been a bit of a a bit of a jigsaw so we're, we're still slowly putting a few pieces in place but um the fact that uh, some of these stories get lost and so the further we go um, you know the information doesn't get passed on and there's a lot of reasons for that is because you know people are embarrassed or there's shame or there's you know certainly people have passed on that can't tell us what's what's happened and by that I mean my birth father didn't he was always told that his mother had died in a car accident but it actually wasn't the case that he had been taken off her and she had t been told that he died and and it was because that she was um, an indigenous woman from charters towers and so once he made that connection um it helps fill in a few of those blanks um but yeah it's it's a it's a bit of a complicated backstory but um yeah certainly very proud to um learn that you know I, w I did have a connection to Indigenous Australia and um, I certainly need to do more education and research into that and I'd love to go and meet some people that could help me do that um, and then yeah meet maybe some extended family members and, and maybe they can help fill in some of those question marks. Fair enough. Now rearing right around back to your passion for NRL on October 1st where can people find you? Oh, I don't even know. I was just having that conversation. I'm not sure what we're doing on grand final day. Um, it'll be a special day. It is the best day of the year. It is Christmas for uh, rugby league fans, but I think we're putting together a special broadcast, so um, hopefully I can be involved in that. Yvonne, thank you so much for your time and all the best to you and the year to come. Thank you so much. That was another Media Week podcast. Uh, do find us online at mediaweek.com.au and follow us on social on Facebook and Twitter at Media Week AUS. Yvonne, where can they find you? Uh, at Yvonne Sampson on Twitter or at Von Sampson on Instagram. Lovely. Thank you so much.